0: Turn that on
1: and do it. Sparks and static in the air. Electrical podcast. Find a fuse and stick it in. Like the
0: fire
1: and post Toast to her, toast to her. Electrical podcast. Electrical podcast.
2: Hello there. Hope you're warm. Hope you're well. Pull up a chair. Let's get cosy. End of November, eh? Nearly winter. Where did the year go, eh? That's what people like to say, isn't it, around this time of year. Around November they like to go, Where did the year go? These are the same people that like to come up to you in August when it's warm and you're having a picnic in a field under blue skies. They like to come up and go, Four months till Christmas. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why people do it, but every August, it is only four months till Christmas. They're right. But because it's warm and you're having an ice cream, you hadn't really considered it. No one's thinking about Christmas. They love coming up and going four months till Christmas. These are sort of special people employed by the government or someone. I've never said it. But I'm glad we're out of summer. I, I enjoy a nice long summer, but I'm glad we're out of wedding season. I don't know how many weddings, if you're in your mid-twenties, mid-thirties, how many weddings do you go to this year? Over two, I, I bet you are. And 600 quid lighter. Every time you get invited to a wedding, 600 quid. It costs more to go to a wedding than it does to get married. I'm, I'm certain of that, because wedding invitations, once you're on that circuit, once you're on the, the sort of, you get to your late twenties, early thirties, mid-thirties, up to sort of from the age of 25 to 40 you're on the wedding circuit and oh i'm gonna appear grouchy again but when a wedding invitation drops through the door it's like a 30 something tax six weddings i've been to this year i only know four people six weddings i'm destitute you try and save money you try and get a little bit ahead and then boom another wedding invitation lands on the mat i'd i'd rather get a bill seriously that's not a joke rather get a bill at least with a bill an electricity bill you can just pay it and forget about it you don't have to pay it and then go down to the power station and congratulate it you don't have to go down to the power station and dance with with a mum you don't have to buy the power station something for the kitchen but here it is here it comes dropping through the door you take one look at it you know it's card fancy envelope you're thinking oh this is going to cost me this is going to cost me open it up mr and mrs donald lewis request a pleasure of your company No. <laughs> Mr and Mrs Hendricks Pennywhistle requests a considerable pleasure of your company on the occasion of the marriage of their daughter. 600 quid. Boom. Gone. Easily 600 quid. That's just what's dropped through the door. It might have a red ribbon around it. It might be a nice bit of card with your name written out in italics, but nonetheless, what you've got there is a bill for 600 quid. Accommodation has been alleged at the nearby Park Grand Hotel for a special rate of 300 pounds per person. i tell you what I'm going to do. The next year, this is, my, this is my thing for 2011. The next wedding invitation I get, I'm not going to go, but I'm going to get a camcorder, a video camera, and film myself setting fire to 500, 600 quid. And then just send them the tape going, I'm sorry I can't be there, but I've done my bit. What's happened here? What's happened, you see, is these two people have started having sex and now I'm having to pay for it. It's a cross between prostitution and extortion. Here's me, here we are, here's me setting fire to 500 quid. I hope you accept this as a small token of my respect for the fact I once knew you a bit at school and now you've decided to get married. You can't, say th- this is it. you can't say no, though. You can't say no to a wedding invitation. When you get one, you're obliged to go. It's a contract. Wedding invitation, RSVP. You can't write back and go, I'm sorry, I can't be bothered. Sorry, but I can't be bothered. You have to, you, they would never, ever speak to you again, which might be all right. You might not care. But then their friends would be bad-mouthing you, which also, it doesn't really matter. But your name's going to be mud. If you wrote back to a wedding... I can't be bothered, which is the truth. What's wrong with telling the truth? I can't be bothered. It's Saturday. 600 quid. Forget it. I can't be bothered. You, know, you have to pretend you're leaving the country. That's the only way out of it. Or pretend you're going to another wedding. You'd have to start lying on Facebook. You know, uh, what well, your status update on Facebook, it'd have to be Stanley McHale is on his way to the airport. That would you'd have to put that and then you'd have to Photoshop some photos of you in an airport lounge with a sunglasses and a hat on and post them you'd have to live a lie you can't say no to wedding invitations it's the same same as stag nights hen nights you know uh, bachelor parties bachelorette parties if you're going on a stag or a hen night add another few hundred quid on the bill add another there was one I got out of this year I didn't I I mean I wanted to go but I just couldn't afford it my brother went 600 quid 700 quid it cost him so what's the total cost of that 1200 for the wedding listen here's a tip here's a tip If you've got kids, don't let if you've got kids and they're at school, don't let them have any middle class friends because those friends of theirs are going to screw them in the pocket when it comes to them getting married. Don't let them know anyone called Francesca or Hugh, because I can assure you Francesca and Hugh are going to have six star stag and hen nights. Right. You get dragged along to one of these. Oh, that's you eating out of extra value cans for months. Oh, are you, are you going to come on uh, Tom Stag Week? Stag Week? Well, what are we doing? Are we just... Well, I've been invited, yeah, but Stag Week? What are we doing? Are we just going to go to the pub or something? Or a week in Dubai, is it? A week in Dubai. Flying business class, of course we are. Good old Tom. That's that Michael O'Leary. You know Michael O'Leary, the crooked fella that set up Ryan. He looks crooked. Who set up Ryanair. And that uh, Stelios chap that set up EasyJet, they are to blame for the stag weekend, uh, the stag week thing. Funny, funny to think that the idea, you know, the old idea of a stag night, just, you know, a stag night a stag night, just down the pub, arms around each other, go to a strip club or something, you know handcuffed to a lamppost, and that seems quaint now, doesn't it? It seems old-fashioned. Because of Stelios and Michael O'Leary, you've got to go to Prague you've got to go to Barcelona, and, and Ryanair and EasyJet have expanded to taking countries not previously on the tourist map. Estonia Latvia, places like that, which is all for the good, except stag and hen nights have trashed a place we, We've we never lost that spirit of empire, have the British? Find somewhere pretty, smash it to pieces. These old medieval capitals. Tallinn, the capital of Estonia. They they, they cater for stag weekends. Ten years ago, Tallinn looked beautiful. Do you know what it looks like now? It looks like bloody Colchester. (laughs) Um... I mean, it, 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 it's nothing too beautiful for us to destroy. We create these no-go zones around the world, the British, basically roaming the place with a big roll of police tape.
0: Uh, <laughs> I kill you. <laughs>
2: who the hell is that?
0: <laughs> I kill you.
2: Reveal yourself. Who is it?
0: My name is Diana. I can hear you. I can see you.
2: Who is this?
0: I lived in this flat... Many years ago, with my husband, Albert. Oh, he was a good man.
2: Oh, I don't like it. It's all late at night. It's it's probably just something on the computer. It's it's something on the computer playing back. Oh, no. Look at the door.
0: Oh, go away, foul spirit. I'm not foul. Back in my day, I used to be considered something of a beauty. Something of a looker.
2: When was this? When were you alive? 17th century? 18th? Tell me your secret, Spectre. Oh,
0: the 60s. These plants were built in 63, you silly age. Now, how old do you think I am? 300? I'm quite offended. i have a good mind to throw a drawer at you. No, wait. It's
2: got my pants in it. How long have you been here?
0: Oh, since you moved in, dear. What's you talking about, pretending to write your films and stuff? And now, now we've got this radio recording.
2: It's not a radio recording, it's a podcast.
0: Well, you say that, but what you really want is a job on BBC Six Music, preferably Sundays about 9pm till midnight. Shut
2: up, you're not my real mum.
0: (laughs) Well, so I've been very good. I've kept my quiet, just watching... But then I thought to myself, here, Diana, you'd be good on one of these radio grants. In what way? Oh, I could do this. I could be one of the characters.
2: But what can you do?
0: Well, I'm from the other side, aren't I? I know things. Life here isn't simply the past, present and future, you know. I can see forwards. I can see backwards. I know about what went on. I know about what will happen. I could read people's fortunes.
2: All right. Who's going to win the FA Cup this season, huh?
0: I don't follow the football.
2: You're useless. Be away, Phantom.
0: I know what's going to happen to you. I know what's going to happen to the people listening. They could write in with, say, a worry about something they have to do. And I could tell them how it was going to go for them. Well, I
2: must admit, if that worked, it would be the greatest thing anyone's ever done. It would make me, us, it would make us. But how how can you prove it?
0: Well, how do you? Then next week, we can do one of the listeners.
2: Well, all right. So I just so it's not about the outcome of my life or if I have children or anything.
0: No, it's too dangerous to know such things. Keep it to an event that you've got coming up.
2: All right. Well, there's oh, this is a bit embarrassing, but there's this corporate stand-up thing. Or comedians at Christmas, we sometimes have to do these for money, for to whore ourselves. We do these corporate stand-up events and it's there's one this week and it's in it's just going to be a bunch of employees in a function room and they're not going to want to listen to me they're not going to want to listen to a comedian at all not a comedian like me anyway and it's going to be, all these things are always hard and i don't know how it's
0: let me picture the scene yes it's clear there's lots of concrete we're in woking
2: yes it's in woking
0: and it's in a hotel.
2: Oh, this is going to be amazing. People are going to love this. How do you do it?
0: I looked at your diary in the kitchen.
2: Oh, I knew this was fraud. Be off my podcast, Phantom.
0: No, wait. I can see a large function room with chairs and tables.
2: Well, well, yeah. And
0: a man in a suit gets onto this little stage bed. He looks like, yes, it's their boss. And he speaks. And it's you, and then you walk onto the stage and you start talking about woking being a museum to the seventies. Yes,
2: well that was that was going to be my opening bit about how it's woking's almost retro now. Are they laughing at that?
0: Not really, no. But wait, now they're laughing. Oh,
2: good. I, oh, thank God, I knew it would work.
0: Because your flies are undone and your shirt is poking out, <laughs> and they are pointing and they are. Someone has thrown a piece of food at you. Bang! Square up the bumps.
2: Oh, that's that's not gonna happen.
0: And now, hang on, now, the boss is shaking his head and just sort of looking at his area manager as if to say, I'm sorry, I thought it would be alright. And some people have got up and they're walking around. That
2: isn't what's happening. It's a good set And
0: you're all red faced and sweating <laughs> and people uh, uh, and you're asking people to listen and you're not smoking the order and now the chanting begins.
2: No, no, it isn't true. And
0: now the boss is walking around the table and up onto the platform and Shoulder and asks you to stop, and so you just replace the microphone and walk off the little platform and through the rivers, and everyone's laughing, everyone's laughing at you. <laughs> no,
2: be gone, foul spirit! I
0: can hear you, I can see you. <laughs> I <kill>
2: you. <clears throat> so, um, as she said, if you want to email in with something that you've got coming up next week, then Diana will be back to give you an insight into the future and tell you how it went. There's surely no harm in that. Email in, uh, the usual address, electricalpodcast at gmail.com. There's another thing that comes in the post which is almost as tiresome as a wedding invitation. This scene doesn't really cost you anything but what it is, some friends are away on holiday at the moment, some people I know, a little winter break in Turkey and this means I'm at risk of getting a postcard and I think again, all things considered, like the wedding invitations, I'd rather get a bill because... At least a bill is for something you've had. You've used electricity, you've used your phone, there's your bill. But a postcard is a reminder of something that someone else has had instead of you. Dear Stanley, arrived here in Istanbul on Wednesday. It's better than where you are. Very good weather, warmer than where you are. We are very happy, unlike you. Best wishes, Isabel and Stewart. Best wishes! Best wishes. Their wish is that you're jealous. That's their wish. That's their best. The best they wish for you is envy. And people say, no, Stanley, come on, people send postcards to show they're thinking of you. No, they don't. People send postcards when they think of someone they can boast to. Who do we know that's in a less fortunate position to us right now? Stanley! He never gets to go on holiday. Let's write to him and tell him what we're up to. Stick a stamp on it. An exotic foreign stamp. Kissed with sunshine. Write the address on it. Stanley, number 30. Cold Street, Rainsville, Sludge. Pop it in the warm post box. He's gonna love that to show they're thinking of you. If they're thinking of me so much, give me a call. Everyone's got a phone, give me a call, shoot the priest. Oh, but it's no, because it's expensive to call from abroad. Oh, that's how much you're thinking of me. You're thinking of me to the tune of about 50p, but two quid, forget it. You're not thinking of me that much to, to show they're thinking of you. I've never received a postcard that even mentions me. I've never had a postcard that says, Dear Stanley, just wondering how you are. After arriving here on Turkey on Tuesday, I realised I didn't give you back that 30 quid I borrowed. I'm really sorry. Hope that didn't screw you up and you could still get to Glasgow. Anyway, we're back next week, so let's meet up for a pint. Your friends, Isabel and Stuart. I've never received a selfless postcard. If you write somebody a letter or an email or you phone someone, the first thing you do is you ask, how are you? Hello, how are you? not a postcard! A postcard is all about the sender. Postcards couldn't care a jot about you. Postcards always go, Dear Stanley, yes so we arrived on Tuesday, lovely hotel right by the sea, going to a beautiful market now and having a yacht trip tomorrow, which will be fantastic. Screw you, Isabelle and Stuart. And I've never, I've never received a phone call like that. It's only postcards, this is why I don't like getting them. I've never received a phone call, Hello? Yeah, hello, Stanley. I'm in a restaurant Restaurant At the moment very expensive lovely meal had the lobster, which was excellent We're all gonna share the bill later and pay with six cards like idiots We'll probably stay overnight in the hotel lovely weather. Bye And this is the way people sign off on postcards the traditional sign off on postcards wish you were here you Flipping don't wish I was there on your romantic weekend in Istanbul. You don't wish I was there They're all snuggled up on the veranda. Oh darling Hiya! (laughs) You don't wish I was there? Oh, Stanley. Mm, I forgot you were here. What are we up to then? Well, um... Isabel and I were just... Oh, wait, listen, fancy going to that market? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty as well. Can I Can I borrow your sun cream? Oh, I don't have any cash. I forgot on my card. Can I borrow some... G-? You don't wish I was there! What you wish... You don't wish I was there. What you wish is the opposite of that. Especially because if I were there, you'd have no one to send a patronising postcard to. Wish you were here. That should be preceded by... I bet that you. If it read... I bet that you wish you were here. That would be a whole lot more honest. And people put an, an X on the, the postcard, on the picture on the postcard to show where their hotel was. This is, this is useful stuff. How interested do people think other people are in their lives? I, I don't for a second think that people care where I live. Let alone where a hotel I stayed at for five days in a photo of a place they'll never go to is. The only time an X is appropriate on a postcard is if the postcard is from Lord Lucan or Shergar and on the other side it says, I am here. So um this X, you see the X? This is where we stayed. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Before people go on holiday, they should be taken aside quietly and just told, Hey, listen, you know this holiday you're going on. No one gives a shit, all right? The other bad thing about getting a postcard is that there are certain rules as to what you have to do with it. By rights, you should just read it, look at the picture, and then throw it away. But you can't throw a postcard away! It's illegal! Even though a postcard is technically a gift that is both unwelcome and cheap, you can't throw it away. Because they come over and check! This is the thing. The people that sent it—they check. They're, they're taking their coats off at the door and they're peering in the kitchen. Where's he put our? Where's he put our card? We sent. A, where did he put our card? They can't see the card because the card's in the bin. The card's in the trash. So they start with, "Um, so did you did you get our our card? Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. Oh thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, what what did you what did you do with it? Uh, it's weird. I've I, I lost it. Is that it? Is that it in the bin? Oh, that's where it got to. Oh, thank God. I, was, I, I thought I'd lost a photo of a beach I'll never go to. I'm, I'm so glad you found it. I'm so glad you found a useful reminder of where your hotel was. That little cross, that was good. And some scrawled boasts. Thank God you found it for me. You're supposed to... It's one of these things you're supposed to put on the fridge. I don't, I don't want stuff on my fridge. You go for some milk... Oh, there's Stuart and Isabel, you and, you and you and your holiday. It gladdens my heart to see that hotel with the little X on it fifteen times a day. The month just keeps getting better and better thanks to that. I don't want stuff in my fridge. The only reason I don't have kids is because I don't want stuff all over my fridge. <laughs> there is another reason why I don't have kids. Just ask the world's three billion women. There is, <laughs> but it's mainly because of the fridge. I want a clean fridge. People sending postcards, that's one thing. Yeah, I haven't finished with this yet. People sending postcards, that's one thing. You can, you can ignore a postcard. It's, you can pretend you've lost it. It's when people get back off holiday that the problems start. Because people act differently for a few days when they get back from holiday. And I don't like it. I tend to try and steer clear of people when they're just back from holiday. Not only do they act annoyingly you've got to ask them about their holiday if somebody gives birth you don't ask about that you just admire the baby you say congratulations you don't ask them about the details of the birth but if someone goes to France you've an obligation to ask all about it no one cares about anyone else's holiday and that's not me being grouchy if you look deep into your soul you'll realise that nobody is interested in anyone else's holiday. If they go on holiday to Mars, you're still not interested. Your gran is not interested in someone else's holiday. If she's not interested, no one is. And people have to be the centre of attention when they come back from holiday. Like it's their birthday. That's the nearest comparison. When, When it's someone's birthday, they get treated a little bit differently, don't they? Get drinks bought for them and stuff. It's the same when someone comes back off holiday. They've been away and now they're back and so they get to be king for a couple of days you meet someone who's just back from holiday the rudest thing you can do is not ask about it you don't care but it's the rudest thing you can do this is like it's like spitting on someone you can't not ask they're all brown it's obvious they've been away and you're in the pub and they slap you on the back and go all right Stanley if you just went all right Michael and carried on reading your paper that's the rudest thing you can do in the whole world. When I mean, that's what you should do. You don't want to ask them about their holiday, but it's the rudest thing in the whole world. When when Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong and, and the uh, the other one got back from the moon, people only asked how it was out of politeness. They, they watched the launch on TV. That was pretty good. And they're glad that they're back safe. But they, they'd rather be spared the details. But you've got to, when Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, they, people had to go. So um, how was it then? Oh, it was—it was just incredible. I mean, uh, it was like being on a different world. And the, the first night, actually, I said to Buzz, "Didn't it, Buzz? Didn't I?" I said to you, "Would you look at those craters down there?" And, and Buzz was great. I mean, and okay, uh, I've just got to go and check on the oven. I think I can smell something. I've, I've got to go to the kitchen. I'll be, uh, Buzz, I'll be right—I'll be right back. We need to break this custom of asking people how their holiday was, and that means not telling them how yours was. Next time you come back from a trip abroad, hold your friends by the shoulders, look into their eyes and say, look, let's cut this out. You don't care how my holiday was. And that's fine. That's okay. Let's move on. Thank you for asking, but I'm not going to tell you anything about my holiday. And together we can start to break this insane cycle of boring stories and artificial interest. People are annoying when they come back from holiday because they go away for a week and they think things will have changed back home. They come into the pub, like I say, they're all tanned, and they were, so what's been happening in here? Yeah, all looks the same. And you're thinking, it, oh, it looks the same, yeah? Same as it did ten days ago. You know what? I think the last change made to this pub was in the 50s. What did you expect it to look like? All silver with a teleporter in the corner. It's, it's in the pub, actually, that people who have just come back off holiday are the worst, because they'll always slag off the pub. They're local, the pub they used to like, by comparing it to the places they went to whilst abroad. Now, of course, when you ask for lime out there, it's fresh lime. It's, it's not like this. It's straight from the tree that morning, isn't it, Bill? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's all fresh out there. That's a the thing, isn't it? It's not like here. You cold, Jess? I'm, I'm cold. Oh, it's freezing, isn't it? Of course, we're not used to the weather back here now, are we? Because the weather's different out there. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not like here. This is astounding information. It's hotter in Egypt. Are you kidding me, really? It's hotter in Egypt than here. It's, weather in different countries is different to here. And we live in a cold country. We go on holiday to hot countries. It isn't surprising the weather's different in North Africa. Africa to Essex. We don't need to be told that, of course uh, out there, there's no need for windows. I mean, they just have blinds, don't they, Bill? Oh, well, that's right. I mean, there's no need. You're glad for the breeze, if anything. Who thinks we enjoy hearing this? Who who thinks we enjoy it? And it's imperative to ask how hot it was. It's absolutely imperative. It's like killing people, not to ask how hot it was. You have to, someone comes back, they're all brown and you have to go, uh, so is it um, was it hot then? And they'll do... A sort of look, like they're having a kind of facial seizure. Was it hot? Was it hot? Hot. Tell him, Bill. Hot. Hot. Was it hot? And Bill has to say, "Oh, it was too hot. It was no, it was it was too hot." apparently no British person has ever been on holiday when the weather was about right that would be seen as some sort of failure every holiday has to be too hot I mean you've never seen heat like it, it was, I mean it was mental hot, wasn't it Bill? Oh, oh no, it was. and Bill can't take the heat, can you Bill? Oh no, no, I mean I don't like it too hot so I was like, what was I like Bill? I mean hot, hot, it was like being on the surface Of the sun. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was. I mean, I would have been, I would have been glad to be on the surface of the sun, to be honest. I'd have been glad of it. That would have been a respite. But this, I mean, hot. What was it like, chefs? Oh, oh, it was hot, hot. There were one day when my eye melted out of my face. Right out of her face. You went to Egypt, you twit. What did you want? A bracing alpine breeze. Because what people do is they look through the brochures, the holiday brochures, and their da Vinci codes are the temperature graphs. And they go, oh, look at this. Average 29 degrees, 29 degrees, that's pretty good. Oh, look at this one here, though, 31. Oh, no, I found one, 34. It's the average of 34. Let's go there. Then they come back, oh, it was hot. I mean, it, it was too hot. People change their habits for a couple of days when they get back from holiday as well. This is infuriating. You go, um, so what are you, what, what are you drinking, Bill, your usual? Oh, no, 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 no. We've got, we've got new drinks now, haven't we, babe? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, have you got any kiwi fruit behind there? In the, in the, in the lion, have a pint, Christ. British pint, no, no, not a touch on the stuff out there. So refreshing. What's that beer called, babe? That'll be uh, £5.20, please, Bill. <gasps> £5.20? Are you what? £5.20? It Of course, it's, uh, it's only about 20p out there. Beer's about 20p out there. I mean, it's free out there, isn't it? In it? it, shares. What's, what's the beer like out there? Oh, about... Stupid two P or something. Hey, oh, it's cheaper in Egypt. Here's another lesson taught to us by the holiday makers that things are cheaper in Egypt. Another valuable lesson learnt.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs>
2: About half past five in the morning, it's time again to pick up a trusty stick, pack a slab of mint cake, and set off on a long and forsaken trek up the mountains and down the valleys of the cruel and unforgiving London dating scene with our very own Wainwright-style guide, the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson of John Merrick, the elephant man, Alan Merrick. Good evening, Alan. (laughs) Good
1: evening, Stanley. How
2: was your Sunday? What, What do you normally get up to on a Sunday?
1: Well, Sunday is always, of course, the day after the night before in my world. So there's normally quite a bit of thinking to be done. But I like that blur song, Sunday, Sunday.
2: Sunday, Sunday, here again, tidy attire.
1: Read the colour supplement, the TV guide. Yes, a bit of that, really. That sounds good.
2: What what newspapers do you get? Normally,
1: the Sunday Times. And something like the News of the World as well. You know, a bit of light relief. Well,
2: Sunday isn't Sunday without a blurred photo from someone's camera phone of Ashley Cole doing some coke in a West End nightclub is it you know someone's in a nightclub on a Saturday night and they're going oh quick snap of that I'll get five grand
1: and the thing is they probably do but it's the moral dilemma, isn't it? I mean, if you were out at a nightclub in the West End, like a Whiskey Mist or somewhere...
2: Hugely, hugely unlikely, Alan. But just
1: say, and there was a celebrity doing something untoward, and you could take a photo and get five grand, what would you do? Mm,
2: I don't know, it's difficult, because five grand would sort me out. That would be amazing. But then you're contributing to the ugliness, aren't you? You're contributing to the crapness. I think it depends who it is. I mean, if, if it's Ashley Cole, you see Ashley, Ashley Cole doing coke, it's all right to take a photo and contribute to his inevitable downfall and make some money. I think that's different. But if you saw someone you admired doing the same thing...
1: Well, like Alex James, out of blur. Sunday, Sunday, here again, you know him.
2: Exactly. Everyone loves Alex James, don't they? So you wouldn't want any harm to come to him. But, you know, but he's a pop star, so where's the... There isn't a pop star does coke story, because that's what they should be doing. If it were Alan Titchmarsh, you've got a story. Oh, you get about 30 grand. But if it's Ashley Coke. Oh, the gloves are off.
1: Anything goes. Yeah.
2: So what, what else on a Sunday? Do you, do you go to church or anything?
1: Oh, heavens, no. Trust me, when you've had as many prayers ignored as me, you lose faith. I found myself going years ago to a church just by myself. You know, in the middle of the afternoons and just sitting and having a pray. But these were normally quite selfish prayers, like, Please make my date go okay on Saturday. But they never had any effect. so I think it's important not to rely on anything really. God or whatever. You've just got to stand up on your own two feet,
2: even in a crisis. Oh, I would agree. I think a lot of people that go to church, not not everyone, but some people, they just go to conform and to be seen there. And a lot of people, like you say, they just go because they think that good things will happen to them. Their prayers will be answered. Which
1: in its own way is selfish.
2: It is. And lots of aspects of religion are selfish. Hey, Alan, we're having a proper little mates chat today, aren't we? It's good. Talking about blur and ashley cole and stuff
1: oh it's lovely because i hope we are mates and on that score and talking of church i've got my own sins to own up to i'm I snapped at you last week. I'm very sorry. No, Alan.
2: listen, I wanted to but say...
1: But the it. whole Michelle thing and the photos and everything, it got under my skin a little bit, and I i got a bit down and overreacted, and I'm sorry.
2: I, I'm the one that should apologise. i I was listening back to our chats, and... It's not intentional, but I do come over as high-minded towards you and I'll, Or talk down to you, or, or I treat it lightly, the whole thing And you were completely right to get annoyed And we've had some emails along the lines of Nice one, Alan, and that sort of thing You were completely in the right
1: Well, I don't know Let's just
2: draw a line under it Thank you, yes, absolutely As long as you accept my sincerest apologies So anyway, I take it Michelle hasn't come back into the shop No
1: And a good thing, too. I'm best read. You are.
2: So, um, anyway, did you go on a date this week?
1: Yesterday, yes. A young lady I'd been following for a while on the Guardian's dating site. It's called Soulmates.
2: How do you mean, though, Just, just looking at her profile?
1: Yes, and you can go into chats and stuff. Her name is Jill. Oh, Jill. And I have to confess, she kept changing her profile picture and i never really saw her as my type as such Might not not good looking. No, not a classic beauty or anything, but a kind face. And I thought, well, it's never all about looks, is it? And she'd been on several dates through the site, but never really had any success. And then I thought, oh, well, we've got quite a lot in common in many ways. So I sent her a message, and she seemed very keen to meet up. Okay good so uh,
2: what what does what was what was Uh, Jill, what does Jill do?
1: She works for an animal charity, rehousing unwanted cats and dogs and other pets. And I love animals, so I thought, well, that's another thing we could talk about. Where did you arrange to meet? This vegan cafe place in Soho. Well, not a cafe, it's a restaurant. Mildred's, it's called. She's a strict vegan, you see. And I'm vegetarian. So, again, another plus between us.
2: Are you? I I didn't know that. Well, she seems... Jill seems like a humanitarian. This bodes well. I mean, don't get me wrong, but who was the name of that... What was the name of that Sloan Ranger type you met in Fulham?
1: Oh, Abigail, the one who fell backwards through the glass door. There's 300 quid I won't see again.
2: They make you pay?
1: Oh, yes, and plus my wine, that was a bill of £410 before tip. My debit card got refused. I had to put it through on two credit cards. I felt like a right non.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, the likes of Abigail. Please don't take this the wrong way, but that's just a non-starter, isn't it? Simply because... You're going to be too different. There's no common ground.
1: I've seen what you mean. But I just get blinded by the lights. I, I see these beautiful women on the website. Oh, no, go for beautiful women,
2: by all means. But it's just, they need to be the sort of person... They need to be your sort of person in the first place, surely.
1: No, you're right.
2: And so, Jill, she, she sounds like someone you could really get something going on with. You know, if you're in the 70s, get something going on with. I don't think anyone uses that expression. Anyway, so uh, Mildred's in Soho. What time did you arrange to meet? At eight. And when did you get there? Let Let me guess when you got there. You arranged to meet at eight. Uh, half
1: four. Um, no, I was surprisingly relaxed, actually. I got there about six.
2: Oh, right, so, so not as much drinking time. How many wines?
1: Oh, still 12. I'm not messing with that little ritual. Not after all this time. I just had to knock them back a bit more keenly. <laughs>
2: Right. So, Jill, was she on time?
1: Oh, you'll never guess. Five minutes early.
2: What? What the what?
1: I know. It took me quite off guard. But it was good because the tension wasn't there, you know. And
2: first impression. Oh, no, we're going to get serious now. This is the, the bit that everyone waits for every week. So, Jill arrives first impressions.
1: Well, like I've said, she isn't your silver screen goddess or anything. But you know what? She was radiant. There's something a photo can never truly show. She glowed. She was smiling. And actually, I was instantly attracted to her. She had a bit of the old hippie chick look going on. Hair just left natural, very little makeup. A t-shirt with a picture of a sun on it with the words keep shining and a sort of baggy pair of combat trousers and flip flops. And I'll be honest, she just looked like she was made out of goodness. She was wonderful. So, then she sees you. She was at the door, and I stand up and go, "You! It's me! It's Alan!" And she turned and stared at me, and she just stood there. And I thought, "Well, hello. This is going pretty well. I'm past first base." This is exciting, right? i think
2: we've never got this far so go come on
1: and so i walk around my table to move towards the door and she's still just standing there and then then she projectile vomiting a huge arc all over the floor and all the other diners turned and looked and I mean this spouted about 8 feet this sick but I thought oh m- maybe she's ill and I moved towards her but her body just started convulsing and as I got close she just projectile vomited again this time it hit my shoes and I thought well just if just if you could hold her Alan maybe Maybe you could help. So I got right up close, but again, she just vomited it into my face. And then, as I wiped my eyes, she just staggered out and left. I I was blinded. I tried to follow, but my eyes were stinging. And when I got outside, there was was some confusion. (laughs) no, no. She might actually have been ill. Oh, don't give me that. She saw me and she was sick. It's so unfair. I've got so much to give. Oh, Lord, hear my prayer.
0: written, performed, and produced by Stanley McHale. It features Stanley McHale and Anna Nair.